Okay, are you ready to learn the Bible this year? All right, we're going to start at the beginning, Genesis 1-1. Here we go. We're going to do the whole Bible today. Everybody just relax, take a deep breath. You're going to be here for a while, okay? It's interesting to me that if you can grasp the first two verses of the Bible, you understand the Bible sets you up for success. In the very beginning, how it all gets started, there was God. In the beginning, God. The first four words are very important. He was, he is, he will be, he always was. In the beginning, God. What does God do? He creates. God loves arts and crafts. How many of you grew up and you loved arts and crafts in school? You loved it, okay? God loves arts and crafts. God majored, by the way, in design and manufacturing. God created. It's a Hebrew word, Elohim. He's a creator. He creates the heavens and the earth. Okay, I think verse 2 sets you up for even greater success. Look at what verse 2 says. Now, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. In other words, there's just this big mass. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, now grasp this. God's Spirit was hovering, waiting to go to work. God's Spirit couldn't wait to jump into action. And so God said, let there be light, and the Spirit goes, light. All these lights, lesser lights, greater lights, stars. God's Spirit, God said, okay, now I want there to be an expanse. I want there to be a separation, a vault. And so, again, the Spirit of God goes to work, and there's now the heavens, there's now sky, and there's now the earth. And God's basically saying, all right, let's take all the waters, again, it's just a big mass, and let's, let's now have some boundaries. Oceans, this far. Rivers, creeks, streams, oh, over here and over here. And it's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God, then, that goes to work and does great things. And guess what the Spirit of God did? The Spirit of God moved from disorder to order. The Spirit of God moves from, from chaos to order. And guess what? That's exactly what he's doing in your life today. In every believer's life, the Spirit of God is moving you from chaos to order. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over it, but the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep, and God's Spirit went to work, and all of a sudden, there's now order in the world. You know what? The Spirit's doing exactly the same thing. He's moving your world from disorder to order. He's moving your world from chaos into more organization. Now, who in this room would not like more order? Who in this room would not like there to be some more things in your life that are orderly? I would bet that some things happened in 2014 that were chaotic, I would imagine if we talked to everybody in this room, you had some moments in 2014 that were not great. I'm not asking for personal testimonies. Nobody has to come up here. But I'm just telling you, everybody in the room, there was some disorder. There was some chaos, maybe medically. Maybe you didn't feel it. Maybe you caught a cold. Maybe you caught the flu. Maybe medically the test was positive. Maybe vocationally. Maybe the job didn't go well. You didn't get along with the boss. You didn't get along with the supervisor. Things didn't go well with a coworker. Maybe relationally with a kid. You had a kid that just wasn't working well, wasn't cooperating. Or you're trying to figure out, what do I do with my aging parents? 
I bet everybody in this room, there was some disorder and some chaos. And guess what? The Spirit of God hovers over you, wanting to move every one of us in this room to more order in our lives. Now, again, who, who, wouldn't, want, who wouldn't want that? So as we start 2015, we really want the bad stuff removed, and we want good stuff to come into our lives. We want that which didn't work right in 2014. We want to get rid of that. Now, here's the deal. Nobody in the room wants to be in the same place you're in today in 12 months from now. Nobody wants that. Everybody in the room, I think, wants to grow. All of us want to season, mature. You're here. You came to church on a Sunday morning. You started off the year this way. You want to grow in your relationship with God or you wouldn't be here. Maybe you lost a bed or maybe she's cute. But most of you in the room, you're here because you want to be here, right? Right? That, that's why you're here this morning. So, so how do we grow? How do we, in 12 months from now, be in a different place? How do you have more spiritual order in your life and less chaos than you currently do uh, t- today? Well, Jesus mentions three spiritual activities that puts you on the fast track. We're going to talk about one of these today and, and next Sunday. But, but Jesus talks about three. And Jesus says, when you pray... And Jesus says, when you give. And Jesus says, when you fast. And Jesus mentions three different spiritual activities that put you on a spiritual fast track. Now, I think that's interesting that Jesus doesn't say if. He uses the word when. He doesn't say if you pray. He doesn't say if you give. He doesn't say if you fast. He says when. He says when you fast. So, tomorrow... We're going to start as a church, and all church fast for 10 days. Now, before you freak out and go home and eat cheesecake, let me talk about this for just a second, okay? So tomorrow, or tonight at midnight, tomorrow for the next 10 days, we're going to do an all-church fast. We did this last year. We actually did 21 days last year, but this year... We're going to cut it down. Uh, that's not why. But we're going, to, we're going to ramp it up just a little bit. We're going to, we're going to do a 10-day 10, a 10 fast. So why would we do that? Well, I'm going to explain fasting to, to us today and, and next Sunday for just a little bit. Now, I didn't grow up that way. I didn't grow up in a church that fasted. I went to Bible college. I went to graduate school. I didn't learn a thing about fasting. But since then, I've discovered that 17 different characters in the Old Testament fasted. And 17 different examples of fasting are mentioned in the Old Testament. I blew right past all the seven New Testament fasts. I never got that. I never understood that. Seven New Testament fasts, 17 characters in the Old Testament fasted, and they're all right there in the Scriptures. And I'm, a, I'm telling you, I must love food too much. I just read right over all of those. And I bet you have too. So about four years ago, Denise and I, instead of going to a church conference, we kind of made up our own little church conference. And I really wanted to go visit some, some cool churches. And so we put together four different churches. We started in Fort Lauderdale on a Saturday night, went to another church on, that, on the coast, then on Sunday morning, went to another church on Sunday night, and went to another church then in Orlando, moving our, working our way back here in Orlando on, on Monday night. The first three of the four churches, the pastors all talked about fasting. They all, I, I, and I, like, we got to the third church, 
And the third pastor starts talking about fasting. We just looked at each other and go, you know what? We ain't got to be real quick, but we get this. God's up to something here. And, and so we bought some books on fasting. I started learning about fasting. And so again, before I could teach you how to do this, we said, we've got to do this ourselves. And so we came up with a whole list of things that we wanted to ask God to do in our lives. We had some, some real personal things, some, some issues, you know, not issues, but some opportunities for our kids, some financial opportunities. What, what do we want to see God do in our lives? And so, so we did a 21-day fast, she and I did. We'd never fasted a day in our life. And so you give up, you know, something that you really like. You give up a food. You don't make it about food, but there is food involved. But you give up something that you like, and, and then for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner, you, you pray about those things that are on your list. We did it for 21 days. We had this long list of things that we were praying about. And really, honestly, only like one or two of those even were some breakthroughs. So we decided to do it for 21 more days. And then we had like three or four more breakthroughs. And we decided to do it for 21 more days. We were both anorexic by the time this was over. <laughs> but we decided to do it for... And so it was like, wow, this is like cool. And, and so this is what fasting does. Fasting like reboots you. It, it, it heightens your spiritual sensitivity. It's not about the food. Don't make this about the food. It's not about the food. But it involves food. And so you take, um, this, last year we asked you to give up one thing. This year we're asking you to give up two. Pick two food items that mean something to you. And, and for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner, then you have your list of prayer things, and you pray about your prayer list, and you're basically saying, God, I, I want to change. I don't want to be stuck the same place that I am. I, I, I can't seem to get this. I can't seem to master this. I can't seem to control this. But I'm asking you to do something great in my marriage, in my kids, in my family, or in my finances, or in my job, I, or my health. I'm asking you to do, to do something great. So, starting tonight, 12 o'clock, midnight, I'm going to ask us to do a 10-day fast together. If you want to, you can go on the website tomorrow. Every day, I'm going to do a daily devotional for 60 seconds or whatever. So you can go click on if you want to do that. But I'm going to give you some things at the end of the message to pray for. I'm going to help you set you up for success with prayer. Now, why, why 10 days? Well, the Bible mentions one-day fasts. The Bible mentions three-day fasts. The Bible mentions 10-day um, fasts. It mentions 21-day fasts. And it mentions 40-day fasts. In Daniel chapter 10, we see Daniel going through a 21-day fast. In Daniel chapter 1, we see Daniel going through a 10-day fast. So it's not, it's not really, you know, how many days or how intense it is. It's about prayer. And I want to make this really clear. If you don't add prayer and scripture to a fast, it's just a diet. Or maybe starvation, okay? I don't know what. But, but the goal of this is you add prayer and scripture, and every day you're, you're praying over some, some great things, okay? So that's what we're going to do together. So let's talk about the food for just a minute. If it doesn't mean something to you, it won't mean much to God. So you pick something that means something to you. Now, last year, some of you gave up pizza, some of you gave up wine, white wine. Some of you told me you drank white wine every night before you go to bed. That's not a good idea. But anyway, um, that's, that's not a good idea at all. But anyway, if you can't do that for 10 days, you got a problem. I'm serious. You got to have white wine, or red, whatever, every, you got a problem. So uh, 
Some of you gave up coffee, and man, you look bad. I mean, you look, I, I saw you out in the public, and you look like you were in a coma. And, and so, so it's not about, don't make this about the food, but, but it is something that means something to you. If it doesn't mean something to you, it's not going to mean a whole heck of a lot, a lot to God, okay? So again, why would you do this? I want some breakthroughs. Why would you do this? I don't want to be stuck where I am this time next year. I got some things in my life I want God to do, personally, professionally, for, for my family. So what, what is fasting? Let's look at a couple things about fasting. Fasting releases the favor and the blessings of God. Now, you're going to go to heaven if you don't fast. It's not about going to heaven. It's not about works of righteousness. It's about more of God in your life. Number two, fasting is the secret source of power that I think is overlooked, and I missed it until four years ago. In fact, what Denise and I do now, every time we kind of feel stagnant, and by the way, according to Walk Through the Bible, nine out of ten of you feel spiritually stagnant at least once every year, according to Walk Through the Bible. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they say. Nine out of ten of all of us in the room feel at least spiritually stagnant one, one time a year. Every time we kind of, I begin to feel that way or I'm not really sure what to do about a church decision or a personal decision, I fast. I, I wouldn't buy a car without fasting today. I certainly wouldn't take a job. I certainly wouldn't move. I certainly wouldn't buy a house. I wouldn't do anything without fasting. Because again, it's the secret source of power. Number three, fasting is about breakthroughs. I'm stuck, but I don't want to be stuck. I want to get through. Now, again, if everybody in the room was really honest, I think we'd all say we'd like to grow spiritually. But there are some sticking points. There's some things that are keeping us from actually seasoning or maturing in our relationship with God. So, so this is going to be a time where, God, we're going to pour out our lives to you, and we're going to ask you to do some really some great, some amazing things. Okay? All right, so, so far, I got about 60% of you in the room. I know that. I, I, I got 60% of you. I'm going for another 35%. I'm going for it. Now, there's five of you in the room that if Jesus himself were on the stage, you're not going to fast. <laughs> I, I know that, okay? But I'm going for the other 35%. So here's my question. If the Son of God could have accomplished all that he came to do without fasting, why did he fast? If the Son of God could have accomplished everything without fasting, why did he fast? See, the answer is Jesus knew that some supernatural breakthroughs were only possible through the power of fasting. And Jesus fasted. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. It was very, very clear that fasting was a part of Jesus' life. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? In Matthew chapter 5, he said, Matthew chapter 5 look at that first verse. He says, so when you give, then the second one, so when you pray, and then the third one was, so when you fast. He doesn't say if you pray. He doesn't say if you give. He doesn't say if you fast. He says when. What, what's that saying? It's an expectation. I missed that through Bible college. I missed that through seminary. I missed that in all the people in Memphis. I never taught the people in Memphis for 16 years one thing about fasting. 
Maybe that's why they're all struggling with their health. I don't know. But anyway, he says, when you fast, do not look sober as the hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received the reward in full. But when you fast, look at the next verse. But when you fast, put oil on your head. Now, we're not going to put oil on our head tomorrow morning. That's going to be really goofy, okay? I can just see some of you getting some 10W40 or something. And that's, he's t- this is talking about grooming yourself. And what they were doing is they weren't grooming themselves to show everybody how spiritual I am. I'm fasting. He said, no, 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 no. You don't have to make a, announce it with a big trumpet. But wash your face. So other, it will not be obvious to others what you're fasting. But only your Father. And he will see. And he will reward you. Your Father will reward you when you fast. It's a great perk that you have. So again, I, I think you've probably got some things that you regretted in 2014. I think some things probably didn't go well for you in 2014. I, I, I imagine there's some things still in the closet that you know aren't quite right. You've not quite got settled with God, but nobody else really knows that. And so this fast is your opportunity to be at a different mile marker than where you are today. Now, wouldn't that be exciting? And so we're all going to do this um, together. So what is fasting again? Well, fasting is an invitation. Look at these five. He just invites you. You don't have to do this. But do you want to grow? It's an invitation. Number two, fasting is a grace. Now, what does that mean? It means it's a mystical connection. There's something mystical about the fast. I can't really explain it, and I make a living communicating, but there's something about a fast that you just feel like you're more dialed in. You're more spiritually sensitive. Many of you last year fasted from social media. My goodness, we about shut down Microsoft, Apple, and when we did the coffee, you know, Starbucks about went out of business in Pinellas County. So, so, but, but whatever you need to do to have this, it's a grace, number three. It's humbling yourself before God. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Fasting is a humbling process. You're humbling yourself. You're saying something's more important. I hunger and thirst for you, God. God, your will, your ways are more important than me. It's very humbling to fast because you're saying he's more important than king's stomach. Okay? Number four, fasting is an act of worship. I mentioned this once, but there were 17 different characters in the Old Testament that fasted, and their fasts were worshipped. There's seven different New Testament fasts, and they're all worshipped. And number five is this. Fasting is giving up something good so you can have even something better. Now, for me, personally, every time I get kind of all knotted up and things just don't seem to be, I'm not a real passive person. I tend to get more angry and go the other direction. Every time I can feel that, you know, I'm almost like vibrating. Uh, It's it's time for a fast. It's time for me to to push reset and and to reboot. And so for me, it's real personal. Um, It begins to put things back in place in my heart that need to be in the right order. Again, going from disorder to order, going from chaos back to, to, to God's conformity. And so I want to give you then um, three different components for you, to, for you to pray for. And I'm going to mention these three for you, but I want to tell you what we did on, on New Year's Day as a family first 
So it's lunchtime on New Year's Day, and, and all three of the kids were at home for lunch, and one of them was getting ready to go, go off and go back to work. And so we're there at the lunch table, and I get out the dry erase board. We've got this huge dry erase board. We've used this board for the last 25 years, and we, we have family meetings around the dry erase board. We, this dry erase board's awesome. It's old. We're going to keep it forever. But anyway, so I just I wrote Emily's name down, Emily's 18, and then the next, I drew a column, and the next one was Ethan, Ethan's 23, and the next one was Eric, Eric was 25, and I'm smart enough not to tell you how old Danita is, and I wrote down Danita, and then I wrote down my name, Kurt, okay? And so then during lunch, we just began sharing. I said, okay, we're going to do a 10-day fast as a church. What's your greatest concern? What's on your heart? What's, what's going through your life? How can we all pray for each other? I, as, as a parent, I cannot describe again what that's like to have your 18-year-old begin to list how she wants us to pray for her for the next 10 days. And to have your 23-year-old, he led worship last Sunday, that was Ethan last Sunday, how, how, or 23, how, how you begin to pray for him. He's got an LLC and a 501C and, and how he's doing ministry and doing children's homes. And so we put all that on there. Erica's 25 in her life and Danita's life and my life. And, and, and the board was full. This great big dry erase board's completely filled with prayer requests. And so then we prayed at lunchtime over those prayer requests, and, and we start the fast tonight at midnight, and we're going to commit this to prayer. So I put the dry erase board, you know, on the fireplace, and I'm thinking, you know, they need to write all this down. They just took out their smartphones and took pictures of it, you know. That's, <laughs> duh. You know, that's what, that's what, you know, your generation does. You just take pictures, you know. And I thought, that was smart. That was a smart thing to do. And I'm going to do that and carry my phone around with me. All, all. But, but the point is this. It, it's not about the food. But, but it is about the food. D- don't make it about the food. But you have to pick two or three things that mean something to you. If it doesn't mean something to you, it probably won't mean much to God. And, and also, if you're like, like, you're frustrated and you think, I can't go forward with my spiritual life, join the fast. Just, just join the fast. Do it this one time and see how God gives you some spiritual breakthroughs in, in your particular life. So here are the three things I'm going to ask you to pray for. Number one is your greatest concern. Just, just so make a list. Make a list today. Make a list tonight. Maybe first thing in the morning. But what, what's your greatest concern? And maybe we should plural that. Maybe we should put an S on that. Your greatest concerns Maybe it's a kid, maybe it's aging parents, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a bad relationship, maybe it's your health, maybe it's a decision you're trying to make about something. What's your greatest concern? I don't have, you already know this. You went to bed with the greatest concerns on your heart. You woke up this morning and your greatest concerns were right here, weren't they? They were right in front of your face. So every one of us in this room knows what our greatest concerns are. Gosh, I got an anger problem. Man, I got this anxiety. Golly bum, when am I going to master this? You, you, you know what it is. You already have on your heart and mind what your greatest concerns are. So tomorrow for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner, or whenever it works out for you, maybe it's mid-morning or mid-afternoon, whatever your schedule is, you pray about your greatest concerns. And you've given up your two or three food items, and you say, Lord, I hunger and thirst for you. I'm humbling myself because I want more of you in my life. And so you pray. 
You pray. You go on the website again first thing in the morning if you want to. I'm going to have a little devotional about, about this very thing. Second of all would be church health. Now, what in the world do I mean by church health? We, we have a great church. We are so blessed, and we are so fortunate to be a part of a great church. But we want to continue to, to teach people about Christ. We want to continue to help children, youth, and adults know about Jesus. So you pray for your church. Jesus said, I will build my church, and even the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And so it, it's the church is, is, is God's deal today. It's God's organization today. And so you pray for your local church. You know, as, as your pastor, I, I want you to pray for me. I need prayer. All our staff needs prayer. Uh, our elders covet your prayers. Our small group leaders, all our volunteers, w- would you spend time during this fast praying for your church? And then we're going to ask you to consider, some of you, we've got to have coming to 830. We do. It may not be for you. It may not work for your family. It may not be best for you. But we've not just changed the time. I mean, look around the room, folks. And the next hour is the exact same way. We can't get any more people legally in these rooms, the second and third hour. So we need about 300 of you coming to 830. Did I mention 830 yet? (laughs) And so what we've done is not just changed our times. We, We surveyed 40 different churches found out that churches with three services have best, the best times of all 40 of these churches are 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30. It may not work for you, but we've also changed the programming. We didn't have middle school programming at the, at the first hour. We do now. We have middle school programming for all three hours. You saw the, the tape. You know, they weren't real good actors, but they have great hearts, you know. And actually, actually I thought they did pretty good, personally. Um, so there's programming, though, now. So will that work for your family with children? Will that work for your family with, with uh, middle schoolers? And so, again, we, 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 we need your help. Just pray about it. And, again, for some of you, it ain't going to work out. That's fine. But if we don't do this, then we're not going to grow and reach people for Christ. And, by the way, we baptized like 240-some people this past year into Christ, and we want to provide seats for another Yeah, that's awesome. I agree. That's awesome. So we want to continue to do that. Uh, Church health. So in your fast, what's your greatest concern? Number two, you you pray for your church. Number three, you pray for your connection. You you, you want to have a great spiritual year. You, You want to connect with God this year. And we want you to connect with God in greater ways. And so you're praying, Lord, I want to connect with you. Now look at some of these verses. Ephesians chapter 1 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I think that's what a fast does. It begins to open up your mind. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you. You have a purpose. Every believer in this room, the Spirit of God is not just hovering over you, But now the Spirit of God is hovering inside of you. Every one of you that are Christians, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. So what do you do? You listen, and you fulfill the purpose that God has for you. Number two, the riches of His glorious inheritance. You not only have a purpose on this earth, but you have an inheritance. 
you have a glorious inheritance in his holy people. And then guess what else you have? Look at the next verse. You have power. You have a purpose. You have an inheritance. And you have his incomparably great power. God, we want your power. God, we want your strength. God, we want you to enable us to be the men and women you've called us to be. And he just says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And he seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, all authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. All right. I'm going to suck it up and have some courage. How many of you are going to do the fast? We have, all right, we got 95%. Five of you aren't going to do it if God himself were on stage. I, I believe that. But 95% of us, we're going to be different. We're going to grow. We're going to change. We're going to be transformed. Well, the place to start is your connection with God. If you've never become a Christian, that's the place to come. That's the place to start. Jesus, I need you to cleanse me and forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and transform me. I can't do all this, but you can do everything by your power and by your strength. That's, that's the place to start. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down front. I'm going to ask you to stand up, and I'm going to pray for us. So, your greatest what? Greatest concern, church, health, and your, your connection with God. Can you remember those three? You're a smart church. You can do that. All three of those is what you're going to be praying for and, and praying over um, this entire next, next 10 days. Okay? All right. I'm going to ask you what your foods are too. I, I ask everybody. I do. What are you fasting from? Okay. God, you're so good to us. We live in a world that's just all messed up and goofed up. And we want more of you. We want clarity. We want vision. We want direction. We want insight. And we pray that, that you will honor us as we honor you. We hunger and thirst for you. Father, for those in the room that aren't Christians, I pray. I pray they'll give their lives to you. I pray they'll start that great connection. And God, we all have some amazing concerns. We're overwhelmed sometimes. So we lay our concerns at your feet. We thank you for our great church. We thank you for our wonderful staff and leadership and elders and volunteers. And we thank you for the role that we play in this community. We thank you for that. And we just want to praise your good name today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.